Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is The HR Mentor. Today, I'm honored and grateful to be recording this episode on the traditional, unceded, and ancestral territories of the Tecumlips to Shequetmic people. I'm so thrilled to bring you this week's episode. You know, one of the best parts of being a university professor is getting to meet up-and-coming professionals. I get to see them when they're figuring out what they want to do and how they see themselves contributing. And in some cases, I have an opportunity to play a small role in their thought process. Every once in a while, I meet students who I just know are going to make meaningful contributions, no matter what path they choose to follow. Today on The HR Mentor, I'm sharing a conversation with one of those students. Sarah Wade is a young HR professional with a passion for helping others in their careers. She completed a Bachelor of Business Administration with a major in Human Resource Management in early 2021. Sarah then moved to Toronto to start her HR career. Since then, she has worked as a campus recruiter and as a campus and diversity events coordinator. One of the things I've always admired about Sarah and I admire even more after this conversation, is her passion for whatever she does. I believe that your career path should inspire a sense of joy and meaning in your life. And Sarah definitely embodies both. Not only has she been able to pursue roles and a life and work location that were aligned with what she wanted to experience, she has a deep desire to help others realize the same. And she wasted no time doing so when she recently started her own podcast to help students and young professionals in their careers. Jumpstart CareerCast is an incredible resource for anyone looking for advice on how to start their career and engage in the wild west of job searching. Sarah manages to have free time too. She loves reading, cooking, and working out. And if you follow her on social media, which you should, you will see that she just generally embraces all that life has to offer. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So let's get started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast, the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately, a fulfilling HR career. Hey, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today on the HR Mentor. I am absolutely thrilled to have you here to talk about your career and your new podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Melanie. I'm so happy to be here. I'm a big fan of the show, so it's really an honor to be here and to chat with you today. Thanks so much. Before we kind of get into a little bit about your background, I just wanted to share with the listeners that you actually were a student in one of my classes, a star student, I will add, (laughs) in (laughs) former classes of mine. And so it's so nice to see where you've been headed with your career and your accomplishments and also nice to catch up and hear what you've been up to. Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. I remember a few classes where I think I, I talked a little bit too much, or I would be giggling with my neighbor. But <laughs> for when the most part, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know, one of your classes in particular was really pivotal in me deciding to major in HR and pursue a career in HR. So I appreciate you saying that. Oh, that's sweet. Awesome. Well, let's start with a little bit about you and where you are now. Maybe you could share a little bit about your current role and the organization that you're working for. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I just started a new job fairly recently. I've been in the position for about three weeks now. So very much still learning and kind of getting to know the company and the position. But my official title is I'm a campus and diversity events coordinator within talent acquisition at Metrolinx. And for those of you who don't know what Metrolinx is or what Metrolinx does, I'm located in Toronto and Metrolinx is an agency of the government of Ontario that builds and operates and maintains transportation within kind of the greater Toronto and greater Hamilton area. So that's trains and buses primarily. And what my position is essentially is I'm currently working on building kind of a more strategic approach to what talent acquisition events the company is going to attend. So that's within campus events for hiring students and diversity focused events in general within the community to try to connect with candidates and present the company as a great place to work. Fantastic. That's really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard that job title before, to be honest. Like it's, I mean, it's important to, you know, we all know that diversity and talent acquisition are directly linked, but I've never heard of a specific role that has the two connected so closely. So that's really awesome. Yeah, I think it's new. It's definitely emerging in HR, but I think Positions like mine, I think, will become more of a trend as time goes on. I know in my previous role, I was a recruiter, and we ended up as recruiters doing a lot of event planning and strategic planning for these types of things. And it really just makes sense if you have a big recruitment team to have a dedicated person doing it. But I will say it is a new role. There was only one person in the role before me, and she was in the role for, I think, only a couple of months before I took over. So we're still kind of building out what my role looks like exactly. And I do help out with recruitment from time to time. So right now I have a couple of requisitions that I'm working on. So I think the role itself is still evolving. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense. You know, one of the things I was just thinking about as recruiters, and I know I talk about this in one of my classes, we're actually just about to do a diversity recruitment module next week in in my staffing and planning class. So that timing's perfect. But I know like other organizations are trying to incorporate diversity recruitment or just diversity principles into their recruitment strategy, but having somebody dedicated to the outreach part, because organizations want to do that, right? And a lot of times I get asked that as a consultant. So how do we engage with diverse candidates? And we contemplate this at the university as well from a recruiting faculty right? So how do we find more diverse candidates? How do we make things attractive? But if nobody's really dedicated to making those connections, whether it's through events or directly connecting, not a lot tends to happen. So I think that that's really valuable that the organization you're working for has said, you know, hey, we need to have somebody that just does this piece of it, not trying to do it off the side of the desk of an HR advisor or even a recruiter. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's actually kind of like you mentioned, it's very forward thinking to kind of Mm -hmm. go in that direction. Plus, I think it makes everyone else on the team, their jobs are just more efficient. So recruiters can actually focus on recruitment. And, and then my job, of course, involves a lot of networking and getting to know people within the company and the community. So yeah, it's definitely a forward thinking approach. 
That's awesome. Well, we'll have to uh, check back in with you in in a year or so and see what your role's like and what you've learned, because I think it's a unique opportunity to kind of build it out yourself, but that can also be frustrating (laughs) in some ways, right? And sometimes it might take a turn that you didn't expect. So we'll have to check back in with you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also curious to see what my role will be like in Europe now. So. <laughs> right. It'll be a surprise to all of us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you talked a little bit about having sort of a spark of interest or motivation to study human resource management. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, where did you start off your educational pursuits? And how did you figure out that HR was was your sweet spot? Yeah, I I will say it was a long journey before I decided um, and finally settled on HR. I originally entered university studying finance and throughout my time in university, I was working in personal finance at TD Bank as a personal banker, but I always thought that that's what I was going to do. And then I actually got a kind of like a part-time job, kind of like a volunteer position with the student recruitment office at Thompson Rivers University where I attended. And it was kind of my first insights into what recruitment was like. And of course, from a bit of a different lens, because it was recruiting students to come attend TRU rather than recruiting people to work for you. But it was so fun and it felt so exciting. And I love to talk. I love meeting new people. I love networking. So it kind of just made sense. So I thought, well, you know, I still want to do finance, but I'll do a minor in HR because HR is so much fun. I'll just, you know, I know I'm going to enjoy the classes. And then I can remember, it was actually, it was one of your classes. It was, I think it's called planning and staffing or staffing and planning. It was just such a fun course. I thought it was so interesting. And that was when I first kind of started hearing about people being an HR consultant. And I thought, wow, you know, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always wanted to work for myself one day. And it kind of got me thinking that pursuing finance, I felt like there was more of a ceiling for where I was going to be working and where I could end up one day if I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It made me realize that HR is really the engine of any business and things that you learn, you know, working in HR or studying HR is applicable anywhere that you go. And that's kind of what made me decide, okay, this is what I want to do because I felt like I could work anywhere or work in, in any industry. And ultimately my goal is to be an HR consultant one day. Fabulous. I think people forget that any organization that has people is going to need some type of HR function, whether you call it that or not, right? And I don't know if it's in staffing and planning. I think it must be where I I talk about the primary purpose of an organization and that the only real resource you need is people, right? And, And I make the argument that human resources is the most important thing that we manage in organizations because we can't exist without them. And I find that people that want to pursue other avenues think they don't need HR. I always find that so interesting because then they get themselves in either trouble or they don't know how to do something. And then they're you know, calling on other people to help them with that. But it's impossible to get away from it in an organization, really. So you might as well have some understanding of it, I guess, is the argument that I usually make for people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
it's definitely something that I've learned, you know, in university and then now in my career is that the people that you hire and how you treat your employees and how you work with your employees can really make or break any mm -hmm. company. So it it's just so important for, just like you said, any business anywhere. Mm -hmm. Did you see the connection between reputation and recruitment more so when you were recruiting students to study at the university or as a recruiter hiring people to come and work for an organization or was it kind of the same when you say reputation do you mean reputation of the organization reputation yeah. of... okay um i think it was a little bit of both i definitely learned a lot very quickly in my first job so just for a bit of background i graduated from university in the spring, so about a year ago. And my first job was a campus recruiter at one of the big banks. And I definitely felt like I learned a lot about the importance of a reputation. Among students who are looking for internships, banks seem to have a really great reputation for being a great place to start your career. So I felt like having that kind of big reputation when we were hiring candidates made such a big difference. And I came across a lot of candidates who were very, very passionate about really wanting to work for that particular organization. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, why is that? Like, it's just a bank. Why is this so exciting to some people? But it was really because they had put a lot of time and dedication into building up a great reputation, treating their people well, and, and it makes people want to work there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because I think they're so connected like you made the point that you learned that how managers treat people has a real impact on basically how their organization functions right and i think as a university we have a reputation in the same way that we have a reputation as an employer we have a reputation for students right and they're they're very similar and that people aren't going to necessarily work for a place where they don't feel a positive connection and they're not going to go to school at a place where they maybe don't feel a positive connection, right? And I just think that that's so important in either role. It doesn't matter what you're recruiting for. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a difference. Yeah. It was kind of front of mind for me as you were talking, because right now my daughter is trying to consider what university to go to next year. So today she's actually visiting UBC Okanagan in Kelowna because that was one of the schools she got into and she's looking at it. And I didn't think that that really mattered to young people so much because it wasn't a, a huge factor for me, but it really does. They look at that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think being human, it's no matter what organization it is, whether it's a school that you're going to or a club you want to join or a new employer, you want to make sure that you feel connected, that you are going to have the support that you need and that you feel welcomed and valued there. And it doesn't matter what type of organization it is. Those things are still very important. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So you graduated last year. It feels like it was a long time ago, but you know, that's the pandemic time fuzz thing that and maybe it's because I never got to see you walk across the stage either you know unfortunately so maybe that was part of it but it feels like it was it was longer than a year but so you graduated and then did you pursue Toronto as a city did you pursue the bank did you pursue the role what sort of landed you in that campus recruitment role 
You know, I always wanted to move to Toronto. I'm from a very small town in BC and then moved to Kamloops for university, which was a little bit bigger. But as I was getting ready to graduate, I really just wanted to be in the biggest city that I could get to. So that was Toronto. I just wanted the adventure. So I really set my sights on finding a job in Toronto. So a couple of months before I graduated, I really started networking and trying to reach out to people in Toronto and then ended up getting the job as a campus recruiter downtown Toronto. So I thought, all right, I've done it. And I made the move. Good for you. That's awesome. Like, and that's a big move. It's not like, you know, even moving to Vancouver, it's only three and a half hours from here, right? So it doesn't seem like such a big deal, but that's huge. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely a little bit scary. I'm not going to lie. You know, I had never been to anywhere in Ontario before the move. So picked out the apartment online. <laughs> um, <laughs> luckily, you know, I, I met some great, some great coworkers right off the bat, which made it a lot easier. But it was definitely a big change and surprisingly a lot of cultural differences between BC and Toronto as well. Yes. But um, it's been a great move so far and and I'm really happy here. That's good. So are you living downtown as well? I am. Yeah, I'm kind of in the financial district, so I'm about as central downtown as you can get. It's such a good experience. And I mean, you may find that you love it so much you stayed living downtown, you know, most of your career and adult life. And you might find, yeah, that's, I've done that. And now you're kind of looking for a different experience. But I just think that's so awesome that you set your sights on something and then did it, you know? Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And and I think too, as a recent graduate and young professional, a big city kind of feels like the land of opportunities. So right. I don't plan on being in a big city for my whole life, probably five, maybe 10 years. But it just felt like the right place to kickstart my career. Yeah. Well, and there's definitely more opportunities, right? I mean, I have that conversation with lots of students that are getting ready to graduate. And I'm always not disappointed, but I always feel this tug of, ah, you're limiting yourself when people say, but I absolutely want to stay in Kamloops or I absolutely want to stay in BC. And you took the opportunity to go to a much bigger place. But I also always remind students that there are opportunities in very small communities as well that often have less competition, right? So my next episode of the podcast is an interview with a former TRU grad, not a student of mine, but he went to a very small community and has had really great opportunities because of that decision, right? So it's kind of like, not closing your mind off to different experiences than what you're used to, whether that's a large center, a small center, or just even saying, well, I'm only going to be in this, you know, in Kamloops, <laughs> right? So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of like you have to be, when you're early in your career, you kind of have to be open to, you know, not just big cities or not just small cities, but just kind of see where the opportunities are and, and go where, where the right opportunity is for you. And you make a really good point about there being more competition in big cities. I sure. definitely found that when I was looking for a job just in the last couple of months, trying to find the job that I have now, you know, I felt like I was applying to so many jobs and I thought, why, why am I not hearing back for, for a lot of these companies that I'd be such a great fit for? And, um, it didn't take long to realize that it's because there's much more applicants. There's just more people. Yeah. So 
competition can be kind of fierce. So you're right. Sometimes a small town can, can also be a great place to start your career. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think made you successful in your job search, especially your initial one, right? Because as you know, from probably your friends and former classmates, getting that first HR job is always a bit tough. So what strategies did you use and what do you think helped you the most? Yeah, it can definitely be a little bit daunting trying to find your first job in HR. When I was looking for my first job right after, like I said, a couple of months before I graduated, I started looking. I actually had a buddy. She was a really close friend of mine who was also looking for her first job in HR. And she wanted to be in Vancouver and I wanted to be in Toronto. So we teamed up, you know, we planned to have regular meetings. We created this big spreadsheet and we challenged each other to apply for at least one job a day. So we kind of kept each other accountable and leveraged each other's networks to help each other kind of finding a job. And of course, it was very exciting when we both ultimately landed our first jobs in HR in the cities that we wanted to be in. So that was kind of my strategy. Looking back, I think I I would change how I approached it because okay. looking back at, you know, I applied for so many jobs. Like I think I applied for close to a hundred jobs when I was coming up on graduating. Wow. But afterwards I looked back at the spreadsheet where I had all, you know, all the jobs that I had applied to. And it was pretty clear to see that the only jobs that I interviewed for were jobs where I had networked with someone at the company. Mm, and it was the same thing when I got my, my most recent job is every interview that I had, I had, you know, reached out to the recruiter on LinkedIn or maybe the hiring manager or someone in my network connected me to someone at the company. So it kind of taught me that like less is more when you're applying for jobs sometimes. And I think spending more time on each individual job application, you know, tailoring your resume and trying to connect with people at the company and trying to really learn about the company and the culture so that you can do well in that interview can be more effective than kind of applying to everything and and kind of seeing what sticks. But ultimately what, how I landed my first job after university was, it's kind of a funny story. and, And I know it's maybe not the traditional way that everyone finds their first job, but I attended a networking, an online networking session. And, you know, we had a little presentation and then they put us into breakout rooms. And when they put us into the breakout rooms, there was, someone had made a mistake and they didn't really tell us what we were supposed to be doing. So we got into this breakout room. There was maybe myself and 10 or so other people, some of them candidates, some of them recruiters, and nobody really knew what to do. <laughs> so it was kind of quiet and it was kind of awkward. And I just jumped in and I said, okay, we don't really know what we're doing here, but why don't we all go around and let's just introduce ourselves to get started. And, um, you know, we did that. And I, I, I guess I kind of took control of the situation because it was an awkward situation. We didn't know what to do. And one of the recruiters who was in that breakout room said, as we were, as it was ending, she said, Sarah, add me on LinkedIn. I want to talk to you. It's okay. So I added her on LinkedIn after the session. And she said, you know, I was just so impressed by your kind of willingness to take charge. I want to introduce you to my boss. So she introduced me to her boss and within a couple of weeks, her boss also became my boss. And that's how I got my job. Wow. That is a fabulous story. <laughs> yeah. You. That is, that's really great. Yeah. 
there's so much there. I was, I was thinking about what you said previously about, you know, not trying to just throw resumes out and see what sticks. And, you know, I've talked about that quite a bit, not being a good strategy for people because there's, there's, you said a hundred applications, there's a fair bit of your energy that goes into every single one of those. Right. Even if you don't, even if you think it's a long shot, you still wonder about it. You think about it. You put time into putting together the application and sometimes feels like energy wasted in a way. Whereas when you, the approach you took with trying to connect with people, even if you don't get a job out of it, you made another connection. So it's never wasted energy. Oh, absolutely. Right? And I think too, like, it just doesn't benefit anyone to, to, you know, kind of apply to everything. I can remember yeah. one position in particular that I had applied to, connected with the recruiter, and I ended up getting an interview, and ultimately they offered me the position. It was an HR coordinator position that um, I, I can't remember what company it was, but I actually turned down the job because once I started interviewing, that's when I did my research about the company, and that was when I realized it wasn't a company that I wanted to work for. And in hindsight, if I had done that research in advance, I probably wouldn't have applied to the job. I would have saved myself time and I would have saved them time. So yeah, doing that research in advance is it's just better for everyone. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's uh, your, your story about how you landed the job. You mentioned that it was a networking event, a virtual networking event. So did you, in the organization that you are working for now and and the previous one, the one that you got hired for from that, were you then leading those types of sessions? Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. I, I learned pretty quickly after starting my first job that, as it turns out, if you work in human resources, you have to talk to a lot of people. So I think my communication skills and my comfort level with online networking grew so much, even just in those first couple of months. In my first job as a campus recruiter, I would say at least 50% of my day, almost every day, was leading networking sessions or networking with candidates one-on-one. -on -one. I was pretty much talking all day long. And in the job that I have now, it's less working with candidates and more working with different organizations, different schools. You know, we have employee resource groups for different diverse groups within the organization, and I work very closely with them. So. Uh, those communication skills are very, very important. And I learned that really early on in my career. Absolutely. Do you think, I mean, I don't really believe that the pandemic's over the way some people think the pandemic's over, but now that restrictions are loosening up around gathering, you know, pretty much across the country, do you think that organizations and and I guess, is your organization still going to use virtual events for recruitment and networking? I think they will, but I think it will def definitely shift once we're a little bit more out of the woods. I agree that maybe it's not quite over yet, but yeah. I, think, I think when the time comes, we will definitely shift away from being completely virtual. But there's pros and cons, and, and from a business perspective, I think that I would imagine, I've never done this, you know, I've never recruited in person. My entire HR career has right. been during COVID, but um, yeah. I would imagine that it is a lot easier to get to know candidates, assess candidates, and convey why your company is a great place to work. I would imagine that that is more effective in person. We just yeah. communicate better face-to-face, -face, in my opinion. 
However, there's also a lot of pros to doing things virtually. You know, if you think about from a business perspective, if you want to reach out to candidates who are in another city, it's definitely more cost effective to connect with them virtually. Um, yes. And you can also be more efficient and meet more people because you're not worried about commute times and transit times and things like that. So I don't think that the virtual networking will ever go away because it, it is very valuable. But I definitely think that it, there, there'll be a bit of both when the time comes. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, you know, thinking about your new role and looking at how to increase diversity, I think one of the things that the virtual, I guess, platforms have done have reduced the barriers to individuals, perhaps from equity seeking groups to connect with organizations. So you imagine somebody that maybe doesn't have you know, the socioeconomic ability to have a vehicle to get them to interviews in a timely way or to networking events, or they're a single parent, or, you know, it's much easier to go on your phone and join a virtual networking event when your kids are in the other room, as it is to hire a caregiver to get you to drive an hour to go to an event. You know what I mean? So I think in some ways it levels the playing field in recruitment for people that may have some barriers to just accessing the recruitment process. Oh, it definitely does. I completely agree. And I think that that's something that companies will have to continue to think about going forward. And just like you said, you know, if you're a single parent, or maybe if you are neurodivergent, or if you have a physical disability, it can really be more equitable for everyone, which is just a better way of doing things. I think the other thing too, if there's both, it gives people a choice as to how they might be able to best demonstrate their abilities. So I know my last sort of corporate job, I was overseeing the recruitment function and we were starting to have conversations about EDI and, and what that looked like. And we were working with an organization that assisted people with autism. And one of the things that we were kind of learning is that the interview process, the traditional interview process does not lend itself well to people with autism showing what their capabilities and abilities are. And so, you know, we were piloting with not using the interview, but having certain candidates come and actually demonstrate the work that they could do. And, you know, in particular, this was a, I think, maybe not a co-op position, but it was a position in IT, right? So who cares if somebody's good in an interview? That's not, you're not hiring, and I say this to students all the time, you're not hiring people to conduct interviews most of the time, you're hiring them to do other things. So this heavy reliance on the interview, which is a process that's not good for everybody, <laughs> can be detrimental to your organization and it can keep diverse candidates out of the process, right? So yeah, anyway, so I was just thinking about how virtual kind of helps with that in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point. And I'm really curious to see how things will change. I mean, obviously the pandemic has kind of fast-tracked a lot of changes in the world and made a lot of changes that we didn't anticipate, but that's such a good point. You know, something that I, I saw that I didn't love to see in recruitment is that oftentimes who gets the job comes down to communication skills in the interview 
or mm-hmm. who knows how to properly prepare for an interview. But that's not really the best way to determine who's going to do well in the job or who deserves the, the position. So I'm curious to see how that will change in the future for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's definitely something that we have to think about as HR professionals and recruiters, right? It's always going to have to be top of mind. So yeah, that's awesome. So thinking about where you are in your career now, what was the best career advice or guidance you received along the way? Like as your career was progressing, or maybe when you were a student? It's hard to narrow it down, but one piece of advice sticks out in particular someone said to me recently show your network your hard work and i love that perspective because especially i found well you know when i was working um in banking it was a huge organization and it can be easy to kind of get lost in the crowd so it's not always about kind of showing off what you're doing and being the loudest voice in the room but not being afraid to say hey you know i'm working on this project and it's really impactful or being active on LinkedIn and kind of, you know, showing what you're working on or showing, you know, some of the the things that you've done can be really valuable to kind of not let all that hard work go by the wayside and not be appreciated. And especially in HR, you know, sometimes the work can go unnoticed or it's things that are so valuable and so important especially when it comes to, like we've been talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but sometimes that work is kind of invisible or it goes unnoticed. So not being afraid to talk about what you've done or to talk about the impact that you've had can really make a difference in your career. Yeah, I think that's great advice because HR professionals are in some ways, you know that saying when you're a kid and maybe your parents didn't say it, but maybe it was even before my parents' generation, but they used to say kids should be seen and not heard, right? Yeah. In some ways, that's that's how HR is. Like, if you're doing it right, no one should even know you're there kind of thing was sort of the thinking for a long time. And, And HR has sort of got this negative reputation because of it, that we only get brought in when something's wrong or broken or somebody messes up and we have to fix it. But that's not really our role. And we should be showcasing the amazing stuff we do, but it's just not really been inherent in our profession. Mm -hmm. And then I also think as women, we are also taught that that is not appealing to be, I guess, promoting what you do and what you've done well. Whereas like we completely accept it from our male counterparts that no one thinks twice about it. Right. But I think as women, we also get judged more fiercely for tooting our own horn when we, when we accomplish things. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's something that as women, sometimes you have to consciously work against that because I know for myself, it can feel awkward sometimes to, you know, make a post on LinkedIn and say, hey, this is a project that I just completed. Or I know in my last job, I was working on this new initiative that was completely new to the organization with one of my colleagues. And my boss said to me one day, she said, no one on our team knows that you're doing this, but this is really important work. In our next Mm -hmm. meeting, I want you to take five minutes and tell the team about it. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be bragging. I don't want to be showing off. It's not a good look. But that's not what it's about. So it's it's something you 
have to be conscious of for sure. What an astute leader you had to create that space for you. You know, I've found that over the last couple of years, the more I kind of engage in EDI work at the university and just in my own understanding of it and teaching of it, I watch meetings now like very carefully and I look at when women are leading the meetings, they often create space for other women to be heard. And not all men, because I work with some pretty cool men who are pretty aware (laughs) and respectful. I'm fortunate, but they also teach this stuff. So, But in lots of meetings I'm in with other men, they don't create space for women to talk about their accomplishments or even their work or share updates. Yeah, so I think it is one of those things where we have to be conscious of, of supporting our colleagues and creating space for them. And and sometimes it's as simple as saying, hey, we haven't heard from you on this issue yet, so-and-so, right? Because they're being quiet. And a lot of times that's just because it's that perception of I don't have anything of value to add or I don't want to be seen as bragging, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. That's good. So you've been out of school for a year now. What advice do you have for other new graduates that are starting their HR career? You know, one piece of advice that I have, and this is something I wish I could go back and tell my myself when I was starting my career, and that is that success requires balance. Mm. You know, I think especially with social media, you know, this kind of hustle culture of you have to just work so hard and always have side projects and you know, be the top performing employee on your team is it kind of bombards us sometimes. And when I first started my career, I got really caught up in that kind of hustle culture. And in my first job, there was a lot of opportunity to take on extra projects, to do extra work. And we, we kind of had, I don't want to say unlimited overtime, but we were allowed to work overtime when it was required. And I pretty quickly got to the point where I was working 60 hours a week, almost every week. And it really took a toll on my mental health. And it also took a toll on the work that I was doing. You know, nobody is doing their best work when they're exhausted or burnt out. So of course, you know, work hard in your career, but also make sure that you're taking time for yourself because it will benefit you in all areas of your life, including your career if you take time to rest and recharge. Sarah, that's beautiful. You're like wise beyond your years. <laughs> Thank you. My generation is still trying to figure that out. I mean, it's. I think it's a work in progress because I'm. it's not something I've mastered myself. I definitely still get caught up in that from time to time, but still, you know, working hard to find that balance is just so important. But the more people talk about it. And, you know, you know, I've brought up the issue of mental health on this podcast many times and have had guests that have talked about it. But the more we normalize it, and I think the pandemic has done that, I I see more posts and quotes and podcast conversations about mental health than ever before from men, from women, from celebrities to professionals, like it's, everybody's talking about it, which is fantastic, but there's also talking about it. And then there's actually allowing yourself. And as you said, being more conscious and taking steps to recognize and and do something differently to protect your mental health, because 
I mean, for me, I always thought I had pretty good balance, but I also have this sort of striving problem where (laughs) I always, there's so many, I'm interested in so many things and I always want to try all these new things and do different things and I get bored easily, but that burns me out because I'm always sort of trying something new and that takes mental energy and it takes physical energy. And I think this last year I've really realized kind of the toll of that. But if someone would have told me that 20 years ago, I might have done things differently. But what I was told back then was taking time off is not necessarily a good thing. I remember being terrified to take my first maternity leave. I did not want to tell my boss (laughs) because she was a very hard worker And I felt guilty, especially when I came back and had to wanted to adjust my schedule so that I could pick my daughter up from daycare every day at a decent hour. Like it just all of it. Right. But we were taught something very different. So I I think that's great. And anyone listening, take Sarah's advice. (laughs) Go to Hawaii, take a certain lesson, drink tea. You know, like just shut it down from time to time. Yes. Yeah, super important. You bring up such a good point about maternity leave because even myself, I am so far away from that phase of life. And it's already something that scares me to take time off for maternity leave. So I think, you know, it's such an important conversation. It's just such a great point that it's normal, it's natural, and it's okay to take breaks. And I think if you're, in a situation where maybe the your boss or the company makes you feel like it's not okay, then it's probably not the right company for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, it's interesting when I think about the whole maternity thing, you know, having the leave, just because an organization has a benefit doesn't mean it's easy for everybody to access it. And access it doesn't mean fill out the paperwork. It means like be able to do it without guilt or shame or having to work triple time to do it. I mean, that happens with vacations. I hear that all the time from my colleagues and friends that are still working in HR. And I mean, I I do it at the university. I just went away for a week and I spent hours and hours and hours longer than normal the week before so that I could go away. But that's not right. That's not really a vacation. Well, it's not because then you're still, yeah, you're not unwinding kind of things. So I, I think you're right. I think there's a lot more conversation that needs to happen around that so that people can actually not just physically access the leave, but also mentally and emotionally access what's available to them. Right. Cause that's the point. So Absolutely. anyway, I talked about that for four days. <laughs> <laughs> so could I. <laughs> I want to talk about something else and that's your podcast. So I know we just said talking about like taking on new cool things, but I'm really excited for what you've done with the jumpstart career podcast and I've listened to a few episodes and I think you're onto something like really great here. So I want you to talk a little bit about what was your motivation and, you know, where do you hope to take this? 
Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's been a real passion project of mine. And I just I love it so much. And I've gotten some great feedback. So it's it's been amazing so far, but I'm definitely still learning and figuring it out as I go. But yeah, my my podcast is called Jumpstart Career Cast. You can pretty much listen to it wherever podcasts exist. There's so many reasons why I started it. And when I kind of started thinking about, oh, should I should I start a podcast? Does this make sense? And I started kind of listing in my head all the reasons why it made sense. And I thought, oh, okay, this this is obvious. I have to do this. But there was kind of two main reasons why I did it. The first was, you know, like I said earlier, I grew up in a really small town and, you know, had an amazing childhood. I love growing up in a small town, but the vast majority of the people that I was surrounded with growing up did not attend university and, you know, maybe didn't work corporate jobs or had never really, you know, been in that kind of corporate environment. So going into university and even still when I came out of university and started my professional career, there was just so much that I didn't know. And I often felt like I didn't really know who to ask, or there were Mm -hmm. things that I didn't know that I should even know about. You know, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And I wanted to create a platform where I could just take everything that I've learned in the last year and just give it out to people and, and try to help as many people as I could. And the other piece too is, you know, especially working as a recruiter, as a recruiter, you get so many DMs on LinkedIn for, you know, yeah. people looking for career advice or people looking to learn about how you got into the industry or, or things like that. And sometimes I, to be honest, couldn't always keep up with the the questions and things like that from, from students and recent graduates. So I wanted to, again, create a platform where, you know, this is kind of everything that I know. And I'm not an expert on all of these subjects, but I've hired a lot of people. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people go through interviews. So I pretty much pick a topic every other week. And I just talk about everything that I know about that topic. And hopefully it can help people in their career journey. I think that's fabulous. Yeah. And, you know, again, about making information accessible, to people, you know, podcasts have really done that where, you know, they're free. You can pretty much learn about anything. And because you're listening, you don't physically have to be in any specific space. And I think that's just one of the most wonderful things about it is it's really, I don't know what the word is other than accessible, but it's just making a lot of information accessible to people that wouldn't otherwise have it. Definitely. You know, yeah. And it's just so easy. You know, you can you can be totally. washing your dishes or walking your dog and still learn really valuable advice or learn about something that interests you or excites you. I mean, it's just such a great way to to share information and help other people. Yeah, absolutely. So I wish you well with it. I'm really gonna enjoy watching it evolve because I think you're I think it will evolve as you sort of evolve in your career. We'll definitely share a link where people can find it. And I encourage anyone that's listening to subscribe to Sarah's podcast and listen in every other week because it's great advice and good information to have. So yeah, fabulous. Thank you so much. I've kept you for a long time. Oh, it's it's <laughs> totally fine. I'm I'm not doing anything tonight and I've got the house to myself. So don't don't worry oh, about good. it. Perfect. Well, before we wrap up, I want to ask you my five speed questions that I ask every guest. And uh, I know I gave you a heads up on, on what they would be, but just whatever pops into your mind for these questions, if you're game. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So 
if you could work for any organization in the world, which one would it be and why? Um, I would probably say Enactus. For those of you who might not know what Enactus is, it's a global nonprofit that aims to empower students to make a difference in their community through entrepreneurial action. Everything about that is just everything that I love. I'm so passionate about that organization. So definitely it would be Enactus. That's cool. And you were involved with Enactus when you were at TRU, correct? I was. Actually, the the networking session that I mentioned earlier that I, you know, ultimately led me to find my first postgrad job, that was an Enactus event. Okay. What is your go-to stress release activity? That would be a spin class because it's a great workout and usually loud music, which is a great combination <laughs> for stress release. <laughs> And it's so nice that you can do that again. Oh my right? gosh. So grateful for that. Yeah. 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 If you could go back to the day you graduated university or college or high school, let's say high school, because you already gave us some advice from graduating university. Uh, so if you could go back to graduating from high school, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, that is such a hard question. Um, <laughs> when I graduated high school, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing or where I was going. I was truthfully very lost when I graduated high school. I would say put yourself out there and just try new things because it always benefits you to try new things and put yourself out there. Yeah. And when you don't know what you want to do, sometimes that's the only way to figure it out, right? Yeah. Is to try stuff, figure out what you don't like, figure out what you do like. Mm -hmm. And I think if I had if I had done that a little bit sooner, I would have saved myself from changing my major five or six times before settling on <laughs> HR. So that's okay. Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. I'm a Starbucks girl for sure. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Coffee's my my nectar. It gets me <laughs> I've had to cut back because and, and part of it is I just really like the taste of coffee. So I was drinking decaf in the afternoon because I'm at that magical age where it starts to keep you up at night after a certain hour. That's always fun. But then I realized I just need to cut back on the coffee. So now I've been trying to drink like sparkling water and it doesn't really do it for me, but I'm trying. I'm trying to be good. I've also been trying to substitute some coffee for sparkling water and you know, it's not quite the same, but uh, no. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. Okay, last question. What book or movie has had the biggest impact on you as a person or a professional and why? Okay, I'm, I'm going to have two, one professional and one personal. Personal, I, I would say it's a classic. That's Eat, Pray, Love. If mm. anyone out there hasn't read it, I highly recommend reading it because I think it really taught me the value of adventure and mm -hmm. just putting yourself out there. Even if something is scary, you just got to try and you're probably going to grow from it. And that book just inspired me so much. And then on the professional side, it's actually a book that I'm reading right now. I, I have not finished it yet, but it's called The First 90 Days by Michael Watkins. And it's basically about you know, the, the first 90 days in a new job or at a new company can be really pivotal. And it's really changed my perspective on how to approach a new position or a new company. Um, and I'm doing both of those things right now. So it's definitely been a great read. That's awesome. I'll have to check that one out. I'm always very, I get lots of questions about that from 
students that have found their first job or new professionals. And then they're sometimes they have specific questions about things to address. And then they sometimes they have general questions about like, how do I figure out where I fit in here? How do I stand out? All of that kind of stuff. So I would imagine he covers those things in that book. Definitely. Yeah. He focuses a lot on if you're a leader for for the first time, but I really think it's applicable to anyone. And it has totally changed my perspective on how to approach a new job or a new company. So I know it's been called in the past, the onboarding Bible. And I I agree with that. So, Okay. And what's the author's name again, sir? Uh, Michael Watkins. All right. Well, we will put links to both of those books. I do have to ask you, have you watched the movie Eat, Pray, Love? I haven't. I'm a little bit wary to watch it because I loved the book so much. I think I might just kind of enjoy it for what it is and not risk, you know, having characters look different or, you know, that kind of thing. 100% because I had the same experience. I really enjoyed that book and I can't remember when I read it, but it was at a point in my life where it, it did have a big impact. Like it was, it was encouraging and motivating, as you said. And I've looked at the movie multiple times on Netflix or whatever platform it, it's on. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm not going to do it because I, I, you're right. I don't want to ruin it because I did enjoy it and I hesitated to read it for a long time. I think the movie had already come out when I read it. I didn't think I'd love it and I, I really, really did. So I'm, yeah, I'm probably never going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, me too. <laughs> I know how you can have that experience with, with a book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here, Sarah. This was a a lot of fun and um, you've shared some great advice and some wisdom and I'm just really excited for where you're at and where you're headed and really appreciate you sharing all that with us today. Thank you so much, Melanie. It has been such a pleasure to connect with you again and to talk about HR and, and all that good stuff. So thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. I just loved that conversation, and I sure hope you did. Sarah's ability to focus on a goal and realize it is just inspiring. My favorite quote from today was this, show your network your best work. I think that's really going to stick with me. I hope that you embrace the same level of passion for your career that Sarah does, no matter what stage you're at. And if you're not really feeling it, I really recommend that you take some time to delve into what does light you up. Start with your values and then brainstorm what interests you. And always remember, you can change your mind. Yeah, you can at any point in your career. Nothing is forever and you deserve to be happy, fulfilled, and enjoy your life and your work. Now, if you found this episode helpful and inspiring, or you just liked listening to us talk, please consider sharing your love with a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on Podbean. And if you haven't already subscribed, please make sure you click that button wherever you're listening. If you're serious and passionate about your HR career and you want to support the HR mentor, consider getting a membership. The HR Mentor Fan Club is a virtual space where you can get access to special bonus episodes of the podcast, resources, and free downloads, as well as a chance to access special discounts on future programs. 
If you join today, you'll get instant access to my decision-making tool to help you say no to activities that aren't aligned with your values and goals and a whole bunch more. If you don't want to miss out, join today. You can find the link in the show notes for this episode at www.thehrmentor.podbean.com as well as a link to related episodes and the sign-up page for the fan club membership site. Here you can connect with Sarah on social media, find her podcast and her book recommendations. You can also find more information on my website at www.unicorngroup.ca. Click the little drop-down arrow at the top, select the HR Mentor Fan Club, and everything you need to know is right there. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Your time is truly appreciated. Take care. Bye for now.